we are week two of Young Gun, a Carolina Panthers podcast about Bryce Young. I'm Demetri Ravanis. That is Lauren Brownlow. Uh, Lauren, we are in a bit of a different setting, and I'm going to take people behind the scenes here. We recorded an entire episode in our beautiful studios, <laughs> only to find out that stupid me had the settings wrong, and we both sounded like we were at the bottom of a well. It was amazing. It was legendary. Y'all just have to take our word for it, but <laughs> we're going we're gonna to live up to that. We will do our damnedest for sure, but uh, I guess we've got to start, Lauren, with the question that we start with every week. Was Bryce too short this week? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess not technically. I didn't see anything he had trouble reaching or seeing, you know, <laughs> I I did see him on his tippy toes again quite a bit because, like, now I can't unsee that. Now that yeah. now that Stephen Ruiz pointed that out on Twitter, and we, we talked about that last week. Now that I have seen that, I see him on his tippy toes all the time now. And as a fellow short person, it is definitely short person habit to be on your tippy toes, even if you don't have to, which I don't love for his pocket mechanics. But I'm not exactly working the Peyton Manning passing academy, whatever. So, so it's fine. <laughs> I saw someone uh, that texted me after our first episode that said, you know, that if you search, there are plenty of pictures of like Josh Allen on his tippy toes as he is getting ready to throw. And I Googled and I'll be honest, I couldn't find them, but I figured out exactly what it is they're talking about. They're not talking about getting ready to throw. They're talking about someone that recognizes I'm about to have to take off. Right. Like yeah. Bryce is just a starting position of on tippy toes. Right. It's very different. Like as he's surveying the field, he's on yeah. tippy toes, even if there's nothing in front of him. And I'm like, buddy, no, you can see. Look straight. Ahead. <laughs> you got it. Well as much as I, now listen, I'll go into this more. I thought he looked like a strong, handsome, very tall boy uh, this week, but at least one member of the New York Giants PR staff had some questions about how tall Bryce was this week. How's this? I'm five nine. So he, he, this won't block him. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the knowing laugh from Bryce is a plus, but slightly under it. And a solid A is the background voice saying, if you are 5'9", then 5'10 is huge. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> notice that. That's so funny. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, wait, this guy is up there acting like he's some expert on like tall people stuff. Right. Like, come on, man. I know. I think he, what he's trying to say is like, look, I'm five, nine. He can't be shorter than me. Right. Right. Like, so if you can see me, but I'm like, well, you can clearly see the mic's not blocking you. That's so I'm the, wondering if it's a bit of shade. That's the now other that part. I'm seeing yeah. it again. So yeah. that's the other part too, right? Like if you know you're five, nine and it is <laughs> that far below you, why are you even asking this question? How tall do you think he is? <laughs> five five? I mean, I know that obviously because I'm so locked in on Bryce and you are so locked in on the Panthers, we probably have a skewed perspective, right? Like I, I would bet Browns fans or Oklahoma fans would tell us that, no, it was definitely uh, Baker Mayfield that received the, the most of this kind of criticism. But I cannot remember it being so out of whack from what is real to what is the perception of short. Then it's we're seeing right now with Bryce Young. 
No, I know. And we, we joke about it some, right? But it, it, it's almost like something like that happens and it just feeds on itself. It feels yeah. like a lot of it feels like jokes so far, a little bit, you know, but it was a legitimate thing people were talking about. I understand why it's a concern for some people, but that's never bothered me about him in terms of like a legitimately like give me pause situation. It's really never, bo- I mean, look, Drew Brees used to tear the Panthers limb from limb. Okay. Yeah. He, 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 he was a tiny, tiny man is a tiny, tiny man. It, so it like, is literally, literally not even an inch taller than Bryce Young. Right. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> uh, trust me, I've seen what that man can do. I know right. height's not the secret here, so it's okay. So uh, I, so I yeah. told you I thought that Bryce looked very tall and and handsome and uh, confident uh, in this game. It was the first play, and I know that scramble only went for a yard. It is because he waited too long to take off, right? But improv Bryce is the best Bryce, and it was very clear as he couldn't find a receiver open. Uh, his coverage was, or excuse me, his protection was starting to break down. It was clear he knew what he was going to do. He just waited too long to do it. I thought that was a really great way for him to start the game in terms of confidence building. Yeah, you and I had slightly different interpretations of that play. And that's <laughs> that's not me trying to like results-base my yeah. analysis here at all. It was actually because I felt like he had a lane. Like you said, like he needed to have taken off sooner. And I, mm. I saw that he had some room, but he didn't see it. Either he didn't see it quickly enough or he didn't want to give up on whatever play he was trying to make um, down the, you know, in the passing game, he didn't want to give up on that. And, and I think he waited a little bit too long to take off. And that was the hesitation was what worried me a little bit. And I wondered if he wasn't a little bit nervous, which like, I would understand, like he's a rookie playing in his second, he's in New York. Like I get it, but you know, and it was his first, uh, his first or second play, I think is what, what I think it was his first play. Exactly. So like, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to beat him up about it. It's okay. But it did. Yeah, I definitely, I looked, he looked a little nervous to me, but I didn't really see much of that after that play. I'll say that. So we talk about his football intelligence a lot, right? And when you see a play like that happen, right? I'm going to, I'm going to ask you who does not um, inherently love Bryce to sort of tell me if I'm, I'm crazy here. Do we get the impression that he is so football smart that he kind of might be a football dickhead? Like, that is it is it possible that he is so confident that he has seen this game slower and better than everybody else? That it's not a matter of thinking he can make a play. It's being confident that you cannot. Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know, though. I, I, he doesn't. He doesn't strike me in general as like a line stepper. So I feel like to have that kind of mentality, you have to have a little bit of that in you. And I don't I don't know that I've seen that yet, but who knows? Maybe we'll see more of that. Yeah. All right. uh, Let's talk about, you know, when when we talk about, hey, he takes too long to take off, whether that was last year Mm -hmm. at Bama or, you know, in the two preseason games we've seen. It all comes down to one thing that protection is breaking down. And Lauren, here is I was another... going to say, it, in both cases, he didn't have long to make that decision. So. Right. It, it's, okay. So this week, more offensive line problems. They were not as egregious as they no. were in week one. They were still bad, but they were not like, they, did it wasn't you guys know you had a game? Right. It was like, hey, uh, do you know you're you're on the clock, guys? It's not. Yeah. No, uh, for sure. I thought they were better overall. It obviously wasn't like groundbreaking or anything. They didn't do anything great, but they were 
semi-competent as opposed to abysmal. So I'll take that. And then they also, I thought, brought more help with like tight ends and running backs blocking as well, which I thought was good. They're clearly seeing a weakness or an issue that they're having as a coaching staff and dealing with it. It sounds like a simple adjustment, but like still, you like to see it made. We haven't always seen those being made. Those seemingly obvious adjustments for us fans at home haven't been being made the last couple of years. So it was nice to see that. You know, and the other thing too is, and look, we have we have been very clear about this that both Lauren and I, uh, ha- I mean, like we are we are not offensive line experts. We will happily tell you no. that we don't know what we don't know. But I, I do wonder if there is almost like a reverse senioritis thing going on here, where instead of as we get closer to the end. Uh, this doesn't count. It is exactly the opposite. Like, oh, we'll take week three seriously, or we'll be a little bit more locked in for week three, or we'll have it set by the start of the regular season. I will admit, I I don't know how starters at any position in the NFL think about the preseason now that we're down to just three games. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. And I I think for me, it's it bothers me a little bit because it's like, wait, so do you want to see whether it's the coaches or the players or whomever, what kind of product do you want to see on the field before the actual season starts? Whether that's like, assume no one was at your preseason game. Like, is this yeah. what you'd want to be putting out there to pe- for people to watch and evaluate your team based on, or like evaluate where guys are based on this, like these performances. I would hope not, especially offensively. I don't know what the good answer is to that, or if there is a, an, an answer really, but at the same time, it's like it hasn't been good enough for sure. Well, and so here's the because you you mentioned imagine no one was at your preseason game. Even if people are, again, going back to that now we live in a three preseason game world, like tell us if what you want to see is what you're seeing in those joint practices. That's it. That's what that's it. Like t- we, we can't always see stuff and like we understand that, but. At the same time, I guess there's enough media around that you can't just straight up lie to us. You can probably <laughs> right. have to tell us some <laughs> semblance of the truth. And then, you know, yeah, just it's it's just so hard because what we're seeing is is what they want us to see, which is usually not something very good, seemingly, mm. in the preseason, which, you know, and yet we still sit here watching it week after week. All right, let's uh let's have the very tough uh conversation. Um I'm not saying it's time to take him out behind the farmhouse and put him down uh, mercifully, but Iki Aquanu is a problem right now. Yeah, like not a good, not the good kind. Right, he used exactly. to be the good I, kind. I was about problem. to say, not not a problem for Kayvon Thibodeau. Obviously, he is a problem for the man he's supposed to be protecting. I mean, yeah, that was that sack. I mean, I genuinely, I I, I think I tweeted afterwards. Is is Iki all right? Yeah, and I'm I'm genuinely wondering that because, I, you know, I, I know guys go through a bit of a slump sometimes. I know you don't always live up to the season you had, like as a rookie, or especially if you ended your season well. It doesn't always translate over. I get it, but at the same time, like he was playing so well to end last season, and all of a sudden he's just been bad two games in a row. Like one game, you kind of go, okay, like it's it's fine and whatever. But to see it like that again, not as bad again, to mm-hmm. be fair, he was not as bad, but that, that like that sack he gave up to Thibodeau, it was like, it was almost like he did not know, like, I don't know if he was not supposed to be blocking him, but as we've talked about too, it's like, who was he supposed to be blocking then? Because he wasn't blocking anyone. Yeah. So I texted you and said, it looked like Icky had money on the giants. It, it yeah. Like that particular play, it looked like Icky had money on the giants. And I, 
look, I, I have I have never done a job that is as important as protecting a multi-million dollar investment, right? And, and for as much as we talk about uh, a left tackle's job is to protect the quarterback's blind side, like it, it, I, I think all of us, if you care enough about football and this team to listen to a podcast like this, you recognize it's so much more than that, right? Like it's a matter of we can't do what we want to do if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Right. right. Like no chance. Like yeah. you can't, you can't open up your offense. None of that. Like yeah. it, so it has d- to work. Dimitri, the dad of two preteens that don't always use their brains and Dimitri, the grown up uh, version of the preteen that never used his brain wants to forgive Icky to, for what was a brain fart at the same time. You hit the nail on the head, Lauren. If he didn't think he was supposed to be blocking Kayvon Thibodeau, who did he think was? Right. That was the thing. Did he and think like, it was Bryce's no, assignment? Or, or who who was he going to be blocking? Because yeah. he was not touching anyone. Right. And he barely got close enough to Thibodeau to lightly brush him. I think his uniform, they might have breezed past one another briskly. Like yeah. A, I mean, listen, I will, I, I will tell you this story. Yesterday, it's I told like my... You couldn't see him. Yeah, yesterday I told my daughter to go put uh, her clothes, take them from the washing machine and put them in the dryer, which Mm -hmm. she did and did not turn on the dryer and told me she did not know she was supposed to do that, too. That is very much sort of the vibe of that Iquanu play of letting Kayvon Thibodeau. Hey, I got into a good I got into a blocking stance. Right. Like I got in his way. (laughs) (laughs) What more? I was I was like, dude, like that's why. and, And so I don't know. I mean, I'm just. You know, sometimes you never know what's going on with guys, you know, off the field too. Like yeah, they're they're real people with real lives. Like he could be dealing with stuff that's difficult right now, and maybe that's a, impacting him. And if if so, I hope that it all kind of turns around for him genuinely, because that that would be terrible. And but I, you just never know the real reason. But it just feels very odd. And and I, you know, he doesn't have to explain himself. He's an adult. Like it's fine. We don't need an explanation. But. I would certainly like to see this stop. Okay, so I I hear you and I want to agree with you that he doesn't necessarily owe us an explanation, but he certainly owes his coaches and his quarterback an explanation for what is going on. And I wonder if there's a little bit of pressure that didn't exist last year from the standpoint of, A, there were some very not serious people on that coaching staff last year, but B... And look who you're protecting for now. Well, okay, yeah. Not only that, but look at how much... Like, it is very clear how much that dude matters because look at all of the coaches they brought in specifically to bring a rookie quarterback along. Like, you've got to feel a different level of pressure now. Yes, I think that would certainly play a role too and sort of and then obviously the way he finished the season, I'm sure he figured like, yeah, I'm gonna have a target on me, so to speak, and yeah. people are gonna be wanting to come for me and be like studying me more and it's not gonna be as easy. And maybe he's dealing with some of that. I have faith in him overall. Loved watch I just I loved watching him at state so much. So when I'm expressing concern about him, I do it out of love. I'm not doing it out of trying to be mean. I have enjoyed watching him just lay dudes out for years. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just want I want to see that again. I miss it and I'm I hope it'll be back. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Like I've seen crazy things. You but Panthers fans, that's the thing. We're always worried that our offensive linemen will suddenly become terrible. All we need is serviceable. <laughs> we have very low standards. Very serviceable true. will work, but all of a sudden a dude will turn into the worst offensive lineman on planet Earth in a very important football game. Like it's happened more than once. It's not just the Super Bowl, even though that's what stands out. Like 
I Ugh. do. I don't have the deep, deep love for Icky that you do. I don't dislike him at all. I just don't have the emotional connection to him. I do both love and also sort of it makes me sad the mental image of him sitting in front of his locker crying because he let Josh McCown down. Oh. <laughs> so well. you and I were texting back and forth about this and I wanted to bring it to the podcast. And I think this is a good place to bring it because the offensive line may be the answer. Why are we not letting or why are we not seeing Frank Reich let Bryce play football? Well, that's it's interesting because I think both from a game plan perspective and from an actual snap perspective, right? Because I think uh, either you brought it to me or, or I saw it somewhere or whatever that like the game plan was basically for he only got two series against the Giants mm -hmm. because it was about the amount of snaps they were going to budget over three series, which was 14. And yeah. let me, you know, how many three plays is a three and out y'all. So <laughs> it's not much more than that. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. For, so, for three not. series, 14 snaps, you basically allotted at least one three and out, at least one first down followed by a three and out in one somewhat sustained right. drive. Like you clearly did not have a very high expectation level. And it makes me wonder like, what is it in 2023 you want out of a, out of a rookie quarterback in the preseason? And that's the thing, like, if you want to, I, I think that what you would ideally like to see him do in the preseason is make a few plays, especially get like a highlight reel worthy player to the, to where everybody that maybe isn't a Panthers aficionado, right, that's following along and like NFL Twitter can see it and be like, wow, there, you know, there he is. There's Bryce Young making a play. Yeah. And I think like, you, that's what you'd love to see. Uh, I mean, although Cam Newton had an abysmal preseason, if I remember correctly, so it's <laughs> right. fine. Clearly, because his first game was amazing, and then his preseason had been terrible. So maybe, maybe that's the secret after all, is for him to have a horrible preseason, and then in game one, all of a sudden, they'll come out slinging the ball around, except for I, you just look at the personnel they have to do that with. And you go, yeah, I don't, you know, you, you don't see these guys getting separation. You you constantly hear about it on the preseason game. Steve Smith talking about, oh, you know, this route, either the route wasn't run right or miscommunication. Sometimes we don't know about those, but then also like guys getting separation. If you can't get separation from a DB, if your receivers can't do that for you, it's very, very difficult to have an, a marginally competent, a marginally competent offense in the NFL. Like you, yeah. you just can't. So, you know, along those lines, and I'm asking this genuinely, not to make fun of Panthers fans, not to make fun of Frank Reich at all. Do you think he looks at this lineup or this this roster and says, oh, we're going to have a lot of three and outs this year? Because yes, you do. Well, that to me, that's kind of what the 14 plays was yeah. like I, you're, you're saying it without saying it a little bit. It's, it, that's interesting. I mean, like, I would not think of a coach going in and thinking that way, but like you look at, look, we know what the offensive line problems are and you look at the skill positions and you don't really have a game breaker, so to speak. Like I, I Miles Sanders had a nice season last year in Philadelphia, but you know, I, I think some of that is brought on by the type of quarterback that Jalen hurts is. And that's not the type of quarterback that Bryce young is. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect from this team. No, and I mean, I think, you know, people have been excited about Mingo, and I get it. I'm excited about Mingo as well. But what you don't get as excited about is when you realize he's been by far, I think, like, you know, he's maybe the most impressive, most consistent, whatever yeah. you want to say, wide receiver in the preseason. 
That's what you don't want to have happening because as good as he could potentially be, I don't think we've seen anything from him right now that screams NFL number one. You know, I agree with you. And I actually wrote this down watching the game is I think we are seeing the beginning of what could be a very productive partnership. I I mean, I'm talking about like, and again, I am looking at this through Bryce colored glasses, but I'm talking about like Marvin Harrison, Peyton Manning level. Like this could be the beginning of that, them coming in together and working all this out together to get there though. Like Bryce has to have an Adam Thielen right now. He has to have a DJ. For sure. Right. Because you've got to have those veterans you can rely on that. You know, I I think. And listen, I mean, have we seen worse receiver groups in Panthers locker rooms, even in the last 10 years? hundred percent. So I'm not like, I'm not putting them in some of those all time worst receiver groups. It's just not a group that scares you. Yeah, no, 100%. And I look, I recognize we are a season or two away from knowing if I'm right about what my gut is on Mingo and Bryce, but they do seem to, they talk very highly of each other. They did from the second they both got drafted Mingo for people that don't know Mingo played at Ole Miss. So they played each other every year. Both of them uh, were in school together. And there is obviously respect there i thought that first incompletion to mingo was probably another miscommunication like it looked like mingo thought he was supposed to break off that route when bryce led him a little bit further that could have been a huge play where i think more people would say i see what you are saying yeah for sure but and and that was hard for me to tell it looked looked like he threw it in the traffic a little bit which made me a little nervous but because trying to kind of squeeze it in there but you're right about like if he'd gone a little further it would have been fine but yeah, I mean, I I just think like I, I'm a little nervous about the fact that he seems to be the most dynamic. I, you do want the vet guys there, and I get that, but I just I I don't know. I think that against some of the better DBs in the league, this offense is really, really, really going to struggle to score yeah. points because teams will just stack up against the run, and that'll be that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that you are dead on there. Uh, last week, you said you really you want to love. Not just Bryce. You want to love the Panthers again and be excited. I I wonder, um, what is it for you? Can you identify any uh, constants, I guess, in when you do love this team and your quarterback and when you are genuinely concerned and don't think you can watch anymore? What are are the constants or the, the symptoms that you have seen when you feel that way? I was going to say, sometimes I feel that way, even when, uh, you know, the <laughs> things that repel me are actually true of good teams, you know, yeah. but no, I am like, I, the, the offense struggling the way it has. And when the Panthers have had some truly, and they have had some truly gross offenses over, I mean, just really horrendous offenses, you, you know, full of bad quarterback play, bad receiver play, bad, all of it. I, and, I would argue, and you and I argued about this a lot when we yeah. were on the radio together the year they went to, the Super Bowl, I would argue that offense was pretty gross to watch if you were not rooting for this team to win because you were always watching it thinking like, do they just not like Cam? What's the deal? They have to, somebody has to try for him at some point. Well, for but honestly, that's part of what lured me about Cam in the first place in terms of uh, somebody that I loved watching because, yeah. you know, watching him basically carry all, that Auburn team too where like there barely oh, sure. anyone played professional football after that. What he did and how he did it was just so impressive at Auburn. He got me hooked on, on watching him for sure. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just 
it, you're right. It could it was it, it was the Cam offense. It was mm. like Cam do something. And I right. worry for Bryce's sake that that's essentially what this is going to turn into. And he's just not that kind of quarterback. But few people are. Like there are no yeah. there are not a lot of quarterbacks out there that you can give the ball to and go. Please go do everything for us. Thanks. I mean, it was it was Bryce was a one. I'm sorry, not Bryce. Cam was a one of one. Um. I think Lamar Jackson is as close yeah. as we have gotten I, since that's then. Who I, that's who I would have put in the conversation. And, and I would say, like, him. I think you might be able to put Josh Allen in that conversation, but yeah. we'll never know because he's got enough help. It. Right, that's the thing. Like, his weapons have improved and all of that. So, you know, but yes, I, I he's got that kind of, he's got that little edge to him, too. And you yeah. can kind of see it, that he's he's capable of that. But that's the thing. It, it, there aren't many quarterbacks who are, and I just... I don't know. I don't see like a super efficient way around what they have offensively. And I don't know how great, even great play calling, I don't know, would do, would help much at this point. They're going to have to be real creative. Let's just put it that way. So um, I, and I've said this uh, to you in private. I, I'm sure I said it on the show, on some show we have done together. Like, obviously uh, I love you dearly. Right from from the bottom of my heart, you are a, a very very uh, important friend to me. My heart sank when you said you loved Cam at Auburn. Like I, I, I'm sorry, I understand when he was a Panther, but I I this is I I'm, I'm saying this because like I do wonder if it is easier to fall in love with a quarterback on the college level than on the NFL level because in the back of your mind, it's always it's going to get even better. Yeah, I think so. There's this, I feel like there's something almost exciting about when a quarterback gets to college. Cause that's, uh, that's the first time I start paying attention to them. Yeah, of course. I don't, I'm not a recruit, recruit follower. Necessarily, You're not a big uh, underwear Olympics recruit. kind of person. No, but sometimes I will watch like the preseason scrimmage and stuff and like look yeah. at the freshman quarterbacks and go, Oh, I think that guy's, uh, you like to be the one to like call it. Almost. Okay, absolutely. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun game that I think sports fans probably do some in general. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know fans of their own team probably, do, they probably do that as well, but for sure, sports media types do it. We all do it. We're like, Oh, this dude. Yeah. He's going to be really good. And then you can go around being like, I remember the first time I saw that kid, <laughs> blah, 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 preseason camp, whatever. Like it's that we love to do that stuff. And so, yeah. And you love to kind of watch a guy in college. And a lot of times they have a, like a growth arc, which is so yeah. cool and like rewarding too. like as players, as people, whatever. It's just, yeah, you really fall in love with them at the college level. I think it really helps in that way. It's, it's fun. So like bringing this back to Bryce, it's so funny. You talk about like, you'll watch the scrimmage, you'll watch the spring game and see where the true freshmen stand out. Like, I have a friend from Bama that will tell you like, oh, I saw from day one of the spring game, Bryce was clearly the best quarterback on the field. And we all say, yeah, we all did. But, but Nick Saban has a little bit of a seniority thing that he cannot divorce himself from that Mac Jones had earned the position. Like nobody doubted what that kid was. And I, I think that explains some of the struggles. Like this is the first time that I think Bryce might be doubting himself uh, a right. little bit and I, I bring this up because i want to play a piece of audio from you or for you greg mcelroy who is going to ascend to the number two college football booth uh for espn obviously national championship quarterback at alabama if he wants to come to practice they are going to let him come to practice right he also hosts the morning show on jocks 94.5 in birmingham and last week he talked about visiting practice and he said what we have been told is a three-person race to replace Bryce Young 
between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner, who transferred in to no- from Notre Dame, is really just about Milrow and Simpson. Like Buckner, it's nice to have someone that knows what um, Tommy Reese wants to do. He's not going to be your starter. There is a complicating factor, though, of a kid named Dylan Lonergan, who is one of two four-star quarterbacks that they brought in this season. And I just want to play you what he said about Lonergan. Where's the five-star? Don't think I have not posted that very same sentence on message boards, Lauren. Oh my god! <laughs> so spoiled. There is no. There, there is a part of me that uh, because I I believe he's a senior this year. Is a kid named Julian Sayan who I believe took over for Bryce when Bryce left Matter Day, who is now coming to Bama next year. And there's a part of me deep down that's like it doesn't matter. Julian Sayan's coming to save us. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I, I, I want you to I want to hear I want you to hear what he had to say about Dylan Lonergan. I'm going to make a couple of points off of this. So Lonergan, even though most of his reps are coming. With the threes, he is getting to sprinkle some in with the twos. Now, I've been told that he has had a really nice camp. They're very pleased with him. When he is going against top-level guys, meaning the ones, the game's a little fast. But you shouldn't panic with that because the game was a little fast early on with Tua Tungavailoa as well, which is why Tua Tungavailoa, as a true freshman, didn't play until the second half of the national championship game. I mean, four months from now, basically. But... I was also told that Lonergan, in time, if he continues to play the way he's playing and continues to get comfortable within the system and continues to progress, it would not be completely out of the realm of possibility that we could see him in meaningful action this year. It is, but it will not be early. So, number one, the issue with Jalen Milrow is if we are going to go back to a ground and pound kind of Alabama offense, to me, it's a no brainer. That's who you want back there because he is a fucking jetpack, right? Like that's the kind of quarterback you want in that offense. The problem is, you know, Saban wants to throw the ball now more than he ever has before. And Milrow's not exactly accurate. When I was in school, if you told me that was the kind of quarterback we had, it was a no-brainer. Fine, we'll take the problems. We're so happy to have somebody that is at least that kind of athlete in the backfield. Look at how spoiled Bryce left this school. I know, I know. You guys are ridiculous. I was. (laughs) I mean, come on. Like, I I guess kicker couldn't be the only position that you guys weren't as good at recruiting. No, I mean. Like for you, I think about, I, I think, uh, I think uh, 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 Taylor Zarser made this point on the broad, broadcast on Friday night where he was like, you know, you name, he named all these quarterbacks uh, from Bama that had gone to the NFL. And it sort of dawned on him. You could hear it in real time. It dawning on him that between Kenny Stabler and Jalen Hurts, there was a whole lot of nothing. And then suddenly it's been every single quarterback makes it to the NFL out yeah. of Alabama. Um, all right. I mean, they're, they're going to run into one that won't like just get over don't, it and Lauren, cry about don't, it. Don't say that. Don't Be like everyone that. else. Remember like just moments ago, I told you I loved you and you were important to me. And now here you are attacking me this way. Listen, this is, I love you. This is tough love. That's what this is. Okay. <laughs> all right. Here's the, other, here's the other thing I wanted to bring up. So like I said, Lonergan is a four-star recruit coming out, obviously high expectations for him. And you hear Greg McElroy say he can do all the stuff that you want a quarterback to do until you put him in with the ones. And when you put him in with the ones, it's very clear the next level up, he's just not there yet. Obviously, that's what we are seeing from Bryce, I think, a little bit. I think Bryce yeah. might be a little bit further along uh, in that sense than Dylan Lonergan is going from college to the pros versus high school to college. But either way, 
talent is great. Talent and confidence really is what is going to determine whether or not you are a success, whether or not you are ready. And as much confidence as I think Bryce is coming in with, I need the Panthers to stop screwing up his ability to gain more of it and actually lead this team to that next level. Yeah, they've got to find a balance with the play calling 100%. They they absolutely do because this is just not – this isn't doing anyone any favors. This is not what sells the tickets, folks, okay? (laughs) No one wants to see you run into the line of scrimmage twice on a drive for a yard and fall forward and then punt. We just don't want to see that. Like, we, you have to at least threaten to score sometimes. And so I think it, that's just – they've got to figure out a way to get some – I really would love to see them play until they score, play him until they score, except that you can't really do that because they might not. Like, let's be realistic. They might yeah. not. And I think that they want to protect him physically, which they've done a good job of showing that they at least intend to do that. Maybe they're doing that too much with those mm-hmm. snaps. It's possible, you know, but at the same time, I I don't I don't know what the correct balance is necessarily either. But I don't know why I would have any good feeling about anything the Panthers are going to do offensively going into Game One if we continue. If this is what we continue to see. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've basically said that like what you have seen so far is what you are going to see from Bryce in Game Three too, right? Yes, yeah, they, that's what they have said, and so that means I guess about the same number of snaps. Uh, what is that? That's like 4.13 an ounce. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because again, I will acknowledge what I said earlier. I don't know what to expect of a rookie quarterback in a preseason that only includes three games. And maybe we're seeing so much more in those joint practices with the jets that Frank Reich feels good about. I just, I want to know. And it's not just because Bryce is my guy. It is also because this is the number one pick of the draft. This is the number one pick of the draft for what is, I guess you would call it our hometown team. I mean, you know, there's there's not a team in uh, in Raleigh, but uh, I, I think you would say this is look one no, way or the is, other. This is a Panthers town for sure. Yeah. I mean, one way or the other, this is what I'm going to see on Sunday, whether I have a vested interest in the team or not. So I want their rookie quarterback to get a chance to shine. And I, you know what? I think like if you can accept the offense is going to struggle as a fan, as I'm starting to slowly uh, let see, sink in for me, I think. What you want then is back half of the season Panthers last year in the sense that they always had fight in them. They always made it interesting and just kept hanging around in spite of everything. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see your team go out there and look incompetent and get waxed by 30. You want to see your guys keep fighting and kind of give you a reason to stay invested. And as long as like, as long as I see that from them, that's so cliche. Like as long as you guys try hard, (laughs) but I mean, it does. You know what I mean? It does matter. It, it, it at least gives you a reason to feel optimistic moving forward that like at least the guys have the right mindset. And so when they get better players, it will help. It's weird, right? Because I I know we're not going to get first year Trevor Lawrence where he just had an incompetent staff around him that was not setting right. him up for success. We know we're not getting that, but still... I don't know. Maybe it's because Reich is a more serious human being than Urban Meyer was. I, I do have higher yeah. expectations for him in year one. Yeah, for sure. I do. I have more faith in them to to figure something out. Um, I just kind of wish that there was like something more clear out there that like, no, no, yeah. this is because I'm like, well, so wait, is this is this the game plan? Are you just being <laughs> vanilla? Like, wh- what are you going to I mean, I, I want to see like a flea flicker or something on uh, the sure. play play one. Like, let's go. 
Show me what we're going to be working. Let me see the fireworks you've been hiding this whole time, dude. Call, Yeah, call a play where <laughs> it starts with Bryce rolling out so that if he yes. has to make the decision to run, he's already in a position to do that. Yes, he's already on the move. I think that'll make him more comfortable. Um, I would love to see that, 100%. I just, I would love to see a throw, you know, that goes beyond the sticks. You know, those I, first uh, down markers. I'd love to see one of those. Okay, before, before we go, uh, because we have not, talked about the play Bryce Young falling down getting back up and still fight. I think that was the incompletion to Mingo right I, I think that was on the same play um, I'm not sure either way it was it was really impressive of a young dude to not give up on the play when you know if that's college plays over when you fall down but the other part is like to me, I'm impressed that his offensive line let him down again and he did not get frustrated by it. He just stood up and did whatever he could to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's look, he's he is used to, thankfully at least, he's somewhat used to being on the run from his yeah. Bama days. I mean, relatively speaking, the Bama O line was bit of a hot mess last season so yeah for sure you know we're just not used to seeing that like to see Bama have an average offensive line is very jarring um but you know the Panthers are obviously I would say if you they, it would have probably been rated an average offensive line coming into the year wouldn't you say overall you know, which is yeah. an improvement from bad yeah and for sure so, I, you know, and I yeah. would say too uh for Panthers fans we'll wrap on this for Panthers fans wanting some hope about Bryce behind this kind of offensive line. I would say go watch the 2021 Auburn game and last year's games against Texas and LSU. Like he was mauled in those games and found ways to just not go down. And maybe it's not yeah. the same in the NFL, but he's shown he's capable of that. Yeah. And I think that's because for sure, one thing that you you get a little concerned about too, because we've seen it happen to Panthers quarterbacks, plenty of other quarterbacks, right? Where you get hit a lot and it just, you're never the same. And I don't mean that from like a hit in the head standpoint. I mean that from like a, when you're getting the crap beat out of you as a quarterback, it changes your mental Listen, uh, outlook. I, you say, you say those words and I immediately think about David Carr. Like, I don't think 100%. we know whether or not he was ever a good quarterback. Cause his, his brain was just, we've mm. never seen an I've never seen an O-line that bad. And, and yeah. like for its level of football at any level of football before or since, I don't think like yeah. it was horrendous. And he was basically like lucky not to die half the time. So <laughs> that's, and, that's and he was like, haunted. like he saw ghosts the rest of his career. And yep. I think you see that sometimes. I Bryce kind of Bryce would have had every reason to start seeing ghosts last year. I don't think that he's seeing them. So good sign so far. But I just don't want them to break him because if any O-line historically can figure out a way to break a quarterback <laughs> spirit. It's my Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think the best message we can leave uh, people with is uh, Panthers offensive line. Please don't break him. Right. Please, please handle with care. That's right. Would that help? Maybe we just need to do explicitly like lay it out. That's right. Uh, he, while I'm not his biological father, he is my sweet tiny prince. And I do not want you to, you know, you break him, you'll break my heart. <laughs> 